Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Uh, so the neighborhood I grew up in was largely Caucasian, largely white. Um, so all my friends were white, and, and I just grew up listening to white music, and and that's that's how, yeah, that was my induction to the musical world. But then, sort of as I grew up, and um, as the city became more diverse, and as I became more, I think the key thing for me was more accepting of my culture, and more accepting of my um, place as an African person. Um, I started to sort of branch out genre-wise as well. So I had to be like, okay, you know what? It's not it's not a bad thing for me to love African music, for me to love hip-hop, for me, for me to love, you know, these other styles. And I should be able to be all of me, you know what I'm saying? So my production sort of went in that direction as well. I started exploring these other genres. And then, yeah, um, eventually I kind of wound up in hip-hop, but not, not sort of mainline hip-hop. It was like a hip-hop influenced by all these other parts of me. Yes, yes. And I think the key thing is that it definitely tracked my self-discovery and self-acceptance. How you day? How you day? That was the voice of Mezbo Q. Mez for short. Mez is an interesting brother. I met him actually on TikTok. I was scrolling through TikTok and this brother was breaking down hip hop in a way I've never seen done before. And it led into a deeper dialogue as amazing friendships often do. And I found out that he is a fellow Nigerian. He lives in New Zealand, but you hear the actual name for New Zealand in the episode. I want you to stay tuned for that. And today's episode ended up being a way to talk about rediscovering self, rediscovering his love for music, and using that as an instrument, huh, instrument to tell beautiful stories about identity. I think... Regardless of what you do, whether you are into music or not, whether you're into art or not, even though I believe everyone is an artist, listen to last week's episode for that, you're going to find that you're going to be able to get some pieces of information that you can apply to your life. A lot of life is about knowing who you are. The more self-aware you are, the better you become as a person and as a citizen of the world. So take every single piece of notes and knowledge you can get from this episode and enjoy welcome everyone to another episode of as told by nomads and today's episode is with mesbo q a uk born tamaki makoro based nigerian artist and producer stemming from his background in classical heavy metal and west african highlife mez is particularly interested in fusing hip-hop and understanding and educating us rather on how it actually uh, has this level of influence in all of our music that we play today. He shows that through his TikToks, 
where he shares his deep appreciation for the musicality of it. He takes inspiration from the likes of Fela Kuti, The Roots, Black Star, as he confronts his listeners with the socio-political commentary and creatively engages them in the complexities of his unique cultural identity. So, so much to peel from. I'm so excited mm. to learn from him. Welcome to the show, Mez. What's up? What's going on? Thanks for having me. The pleasure is mine. You know, the, the first thing about you is that your background, your background is unique. We do share Nigerian heritage, but you have the yeah. Tamaki Makoro. Now, I want you to explain to audience why you use Tamaki Makoro on your website, and then we'll start to dive into the other aspects of your identity from there. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Tamaki Makoto is the Maori uh, name for Auckland City. For those who don't know, Maori are the indigenous people of New Zealand. Aotearoa is the is the Maori name for the country. And yeah, there's there's a lot of us that are starting to be intentional about using Maori names, the the original names for the places, just to honor the um the tangata whenua who, uh, and that's the 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 word for people of the land to honor them and to, as a kind of a political statement um towards uh honoring the treaty which was the original agreement between the british and the maori people and also pushing towards a, a decolonized way of being yeah and I, I love that you know because i don't think a lot of people know what decolonization is i think we have a world that is you know, shaped by systems that are often colonized. Even our, yes. our, our home country of Nigeria and all the ideas we have, we forget that they come from, you know, people who were colonizers. And it's interesting seeing that narrative being taken back now. And I love that you're confronting that, you know, and you're encouraging people to actually seek to know how to pronounce the names and to use the right intonations because we don't often ask those questions for the Anglo-Saxon names. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as someone who is from a colonized nation, um, we almost have like a heightened duty and obligation to be aware of that in the in the place that we're in. Um, you know, the, we should even more so be looking to to um, stand alongside the indigenous peoples just because of the familiarity of what, you know, we've both gone through. Right, right. Now, uh, New Zealand has been in news for a little bit, even right before the pandemic, whether it's because of your prime minister, or because of the indigenous movement there right now, what is it like? You know, I haven't actually been fortunate enough to, to visit that part of the world, but what has it been like in, in, you know, during the COVID times and has the movement stalled since COVID hit? Or is it yeah, it, it's been quite interesting. So I guess the story would start uh, in 2020 when we yeah. first, go, uh, where COVID first hit us, oh, basically hit the world um we went into a quite a strict lockdown it's my understanding that in comparison to other countries our lockdown was quite severe mm -hmm. um and because of that in combination with the fact that um geographically we're quite isolated um and our population is fairly uh sparse uh, in comparison to some of the you know bigger more developed uh nations it meant that we were able to get a handle on covid quite quickly uh, which meant that, you know, it's the whole idea of going hard and early, which gave us um, a few months of essentially COVID free time. In that year of 2020, um, obviously that's when the George Floyd protest went worldwide. Um, and, and a lot of people sort of stepped up and were, were protesting in, in the name of Black Lives Matter and so on and so forth. So uh, Tamaki Makoto, we had our own protest uh, at around mid last year. Um, and that was quite a groundbreaking a transformative thing for the nation because that was our first 
time where we kind of stood up and said, yeah, okay, these issues of of um, sort of oppression of, of black peoples affects us too. And we sort of highlighted the fact that there were black and African peoples in uh, New Zealand, which was something that surprisingly, a lot of people weren't actually too aware of, you know, they thought there might've been one or two, but there's actually a decent community of us here. Um, and we also highlight, highlighted the fact that the issues faced by black Americans, uh, there are parallel issues faced by Maori people here and, um, and Pacifica people here. So there's people from the Pacific and, and Melanesian islands. Um, so it was, it was a time that we could say, actually, uh, yeah, these issues that are going around the globe uh, do affect us and we need to say something about it as people who indulge in, in Black American culture, as people who sort of participate in, in many ways, we also have a duty to participate in, in, in the struggle and, and stand up for those kind of things. So that, that was a, a kind of big thing um, for us. And then, um, yeah, we were able to do that sort of pretty freely because uh, again, we went hard and early with the COVID response. And um, yeah, we basically between the end of 2020 and 2021, we had sort of intermittent lockdown periods, but nothing too severe. Um, most of 2021 was COVID free from about February onwards to just uh, August. We were essentially COVID free. There were no cases in our community. They were all in the MIQ, the managed isolation facilities at the border. Um, but just recently we got the Delta strand coming in and our government decided again, hard and early was the approach to go. And for the last eight or nine weeks, we've just been locked down in, in Auckland city in Tamaki Makoto, which is the, the biggest city here. So um, the rest of the, the nation has had a lighter sort of lockdown prescription for them. But um, for us, yeah, we've, we've been pretty locked down and we've had to sort of catch up to the rest of the world um, quite quickly in terms of realizing that Delta or COVID in general is, is here to stay and we can't really eliminate it. So we need yeah. to sort of move into a, into a management strategy as opposed to elimination strategy, which is obviously the vaccination program. Um, and that's been hard. That's been hard for our country to come to terms with, you know what I'm saying? Because I think the rest of the world could sort of realize that, no, COVID's here to stay a lot earlier than us. We're like, oh, no, we can probably get rid of it. Um, yeah. but, but it turns out we can't. And so the government had to really, really push the vaccination program. It, it went from vaccinations not even really being a thing to everyone has to get vaccinated mandates coming through and and so on. and that's that's caused quite a actually quite a bit of resistance here um it's caused the vaccination rollout to be a bit halted because a lot of people feel like their rights are being infringed upon and and a lot of people are sort of getting into the more deeper conspiracy theories all because of this pressure to get it done so it's been an interesting dynamic here yeah, you know, I, I live in the United States and, and, and mandates causes quite a stir here too. So it, it's, interesting. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting to see the, the, the freedoms that people um, uh, bring up because I'm, I'm always curious about when people bring up freedom of choice or freedom of expression or freedom of this. And then we talk about, well, what about freedom of consequence and all these yeah. moments. And I, I, I think at this point, we've, we can agree that COVID is definitely here to stay. But... Uh -huh. It, I, I'm, I'm still I'm still watching New Zealand because I've been a big fan of uh, some of, of what's been going on. I know that there's a lot of pushback. I've been following the politics, even with your neighbor there, Australia. Same, I've seen yeah. uh, similar things there. But I, I want to pause here and, and go back to 2019 Christchurch. Yeah, because uh, that was when I believe a lot of the ideas of New Zealand taking a, a stand against some of these things started to, to show up because. I think it's pretty obvious that, you know, there's an increase in white supremacy and mm. alt-right movements and all the extremism. You have a movement to 
pr to promote the indigenous rights as, as, as you should. And yes. I'm wondering if you see any connection between those, you know, th those type of events where someone wants to plan a terrorist attack in mosques to promote a white supremacist idea and the resistance that sometimes come from indigenous people owning their identity in New Zealand and even in Australia as well. Yeah, there's definitely a connection. One thing I've always maintained is that um, the struggles of oppressed minorities, especially uh, when it comes to like race and ethnic groups are all fundamentally connected. They kind of um, are manifest in different ways and, and all the people have different struggles and different avenues that they need to go down to address their liberation. But fundamentally at the very core, it's the same thing. It's this idea of whiteness being normalized, whiteness being superior and whiteness being the thing that has to be sought after. And when it is upset, it gets violent. And that violent looks, that violence can look like shooting up a mosque. It can look like imprisoning the um, indigenous population uh, dispro disproportionately. It can look a bunch of different ways. So um, I think people are becoming more attuned to that and seeing that, okay, yep, um, when we get this uh, problem of like a people worshiping, uh, people of color worshiping in, in their in their mosque, getting shot for no reason. Actually, that's that's just a branch of the same force that came, you know, and uh, 150 years ago and decided to disenfranchise all the people of their land, their resources, um, and all this kind of stuff. You know, it, it, the same powers working together. So um, people are more and more um, joining forces and um, and sort of figuring out how to do this together. But having said that, there's still a lot of work to do. You know what I'm saying? There's still a lot of um, conversations to be had. Um, there's still a lot of feelings of a little bit of tension yeah. um, between people of color. I think that's the same everywhere, you know? Yeah. But um, yeah, no, we, I think, I definitely think there's a bit of a tide that's okay. turning. I, I was just curious about that. Okay, all right. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll continue to rewind because obviously I, I love the fact that both of us are Nigerian, but- yeah. Talk to me. Why music? What, what was your your story with music? You're, you're an artist. Yeah, man. <laughs> so my um my parents sort of uh pushed me, compelled me into classical piano when I was young. Uh, I, you know, my parents are both broadly musical, not hardcore musicians themselves, but they love music, they love singing, they love being a part of the world. Uh, so I think they thought it was a good idea for both me and my older sister to to have some kind of ushering into that world um i don't think they expected me to take it as far as i have um but yeah i took piano classically up until the age of about 11 and then my friend one of my best friends at the time introduced me to the world of drums and rock music which was actually um yeah as, as you say in my bio um like heavy metal music was was what i grew up on so that was my uh my entree into into what would later be like my main feast uh metal and and punk and all that kind of stuff so i learned drums i learned guitar in high school i learned bass and i just fell in love with that world um and i guess part of the broader context for that was the fact that in aotearoa new zealand um in the in the 90s and early 2000s there weren't that many african people we could probably count on both my hands, how many African people there were around. Uh, so the neighborhood I grew up in was largely Caucasian, largely white. Um, so all my friends were white and I just grew up listening to white music. And and that's that's how, yeah, that was my induction to the musical world. But then sort of as I grew up and um, as the city became more diverse and as I became more, I think the key thing for me was more accepting of my culture and more accepting of my um, place as an African person. Um, I started to 
sort of branch out genre wise as well. So I had to be like, okay, you know what? It's not it's not a bad thing for me to love African music, for me to love hip hop, for me, for me to love, you know, these other styles. And I should be able to be all of me, you know what I'm saying? So my production sort of went in that direction as well. I started exploring these other genres. And then, yeah, um, eventually I kind of wound up in hip hop, but not not sort of mainline hip hop. It was like a hip hop influenced by all these other parts of me. So you started to find yourself even more as you got older. Yes, yes. And I think the key thing is that it definitely tracked my self-discovery and self-acceptance. Yeah. yeah. I'm watching this uh, this limited series on Netflix. It's called Colin in Black and White. It's, it's Colin Kaepernick's limited story. And he's navigating his youth, his formative years. And yeah. you can see how he starts to discover his blackness, mm. you know, yeah. in a white world. And yeah. he's learning, and, and he, what he was saying is that he didn't have the language of vocabulary back then, but the older yeah. he started to figure it out. So I, I'm hearing something similar because it was the same thing for me moving around all over the world. You, you know, you just take on ideas that you don't even sometimes realize are kind of limiting yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, wait. Not, yeah. Not. <laughs> yeah. And I think the difficult thing for um, uh, African people in New Zealand. African immigrants in New Zealand is that we didn't have the proximity that you guys have yeah. to black American culture. Like right. if, you know, people see you and they don't know anything about you, they can, they assume that you're, you're black American. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, we didn't really have that here. We were quite obviously different. Um, and, and the ones who sort of controlled and were the face of the, the sort of urban culture, if you want to call it in terms of music and, and fashion, all that were the Maori and Pacific Island uh, people. So as black people, we definitely struggle to find our place. And um, we struggle to find who would be our cultural icons or cultural uh, models to follow. Um, so it was a little bit isolating because we, you know, we got, we got the racism from the white people. We also got the racism from the, the indigenous people. Right. Um, and, and we, the only, you know, the only ones we could look to, to, to see ourselves or um, black Americans on TV. Or, you know, um, you know, and, but it was pain, we were made painfully aware that we weren't that, you know, the way we talk, the way we, um, our identities, our home life was, was so different. So it was, it was a big struggle. And so I think um, my story musically is one of coming to grips with who I am. You can definitely even see in my music, how I've tried to emulate all these different expressions of blackness in search of my own. Yes. Um, and it's only very recently, respectively, that I've begun to settle in my own yeah and we're going to dive into your album soon i just wanted to highlight the, another nigerian um what's the word for new zealand again uh Aotearoa. another nigerian Aotearoan. <laughs> Aotearoan. Yeah, yeah. yeah easy easy yeah, sure. yeah, israel um, yeah 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 MMA. uh he's also nigerian and i remember i was watching this story of him as he figured out his passion and fighting and yeah breaking out of the cultural norms, if you will. Yes. Which are sometimes, or not sometimes, definitely uh, suited against uh, Black folks when you think about the limited options. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So it's interesting. So yes, you are a genre-bending artist, and, and I, I'm always drawn to genre-bending artists because I, I've never liked the idea of just deciding that if you're this, you, only, you can only do that. And in your, yeah. in your album, The Future Was, mm. That's uh, some people don't think that's English. 
<laughs> what are you telling us? Are we talking? You going forward and backwards? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that was the the premise of the album was to kind of um, yeah, blur the lines between future, past, and present, and to sort of show the interconnectedness. So one of the themes that is running along the whole album is this idea of time travel. Like the album starts off with this time traveler from this hypothetical future where say Af Africa is uh, liberated and free and economically and, and socially and um, um, strong and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that time traveler comes back to our sort of domain and mm -hmm. he speaks with the African diaspora and says, look, keep, keep fighting, keep pushing for justice, keep working because if you persevere, if you don't stop regardless of what happens, um, you will get to where we are. So that, that kind of sets the scene for the rest of the album. And then throughout the album, I, I explore like more personal themes of say me going into my own past or me looking into my own future and talking to my future self and my future self talking back and, you know, those kind of things. So it's a very much a, a temporal kind of exploration. Um, and that, that follows the fact that like my, one of my biggest things in sci-fi in terms of my hobbies, I love time travel. Like the idea of time travel is just, amazing to me i love everything to do with that um so i thought you know why not incorporate that into into my music no it, 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 no it's brilliant and it's uh so would you this is a concept album is that what, is that what you would say this would it, yeah would i guess it's a concept it didn't really start that way but because i just started writing songs to be honest with you um but then as i looked at every song that was coming out i'm like oh there's this actually this actually this running theme so why don't i sort of package it and um, sort of presented in that way and, and highlight those themes in each of the songs. Yeah. You, you know, one of my favorite artists is that he doesn't put out as much music anymore. It's Lupe Fiasco. So he had the, yeah. the cool, uh, and when the, the cool came out. And when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's like, okay. <laughs> uh, and and he, he often talks about, uh, you know, sci-fi and he has a love for martial arts so i will see the influence of that where can, where can we get the future was um so that's on spotify apple music um amazon all the main streaming sites or Bandcamp if you want to if you want to purchase it and do it that way um and also there's a new platform called audius which is supposed to be a, like crypto nft sort of based Thing. yeah yeah a lot of people are getting into that now because it, it bypasses the middleman a little bit and affords most of the royalties to the artists um so that that's the place my album's on there as well if you want to try and get get it there just wanted to stop by here before we get back to the episode i wanted to let you all know that i do have a 
collective for people who are interested in developing their cultural competency skills, becoming more anti-racist. And it's a resource of things that you can do with your family, with your school, with yourself to work through your individual journey to become a better culturally competent leader. It's called UID Collective, and the link is in the show notes, but it's a mix of courses, it's a mix of resources, things you can download, and all you need to do is sign up as a member. It's a monthly membership. I'd love for you to check it out, use it with your friends, use it with your family, use it with yourself, okay? The link is in the show notes. It's called UID Collective, and it's for those of you that want to improve your cultural competency skills. Back to the episode. No, absolutely. Um, I, I have it i, I look i put it on my apple but I, I definitely should get the other platforms whatever does the platform they'll give you the most money that's the one i want to get <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it the re, i'm bringing this up as i segue into your tiktok because some of the things that i've noticed uh even for artists right now is it, it's not the way it was when i grew up when i remember when i grew up and, and you know music you know whether you think of nsync 50 cent all these people will be doing yeah. millions of albums in albums. The, you know weekend or like this person brought this this person did that and then uh-huh. moved into the streaming era and now you have tiktok where a trend can build out into a, a hook in a song and then that's yeah. that's something there how do you think of that do you, do you look at that through a positive lens or a negative lens or are you mental? um i think i think i'm neutral you know what i'm saying i think the landscape of music is ever-changing and as technology accelerates in its shift forward, which it always will, it will keep accelerating, um, music is going to follow. You know what I'm saying? Music is also going to, um, the, the music industry is going to have to accelerate in the same way. So yeah, as soon as social media came along, all of a sudden the idea of music marketing or having a presence meant having to be on social media. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like for me, um, in my high school years, it was my space. As soon as MySpace was there, yeah, if you're a musician, you're on MySpace. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you weren't a, you weren't a musician if you weren't on MySpace. Like you just didn't exist because no one heard of you. No one knows when to go to your gigs or anything like that. Um, and then sort of um, Facebook followed, um, and then and then Spotify, and then Spotify blew up, and all of a sudden, if you're not streaming your music, if your music's not streaming, you don't exist. No one knows where it is. No one can get it. That, that's your problem. And now I think we're seeing like the next. The next thing starting to creep forward with the like with the TikTok coming through being the more dominant form of social media, and the fact that being an artist is no longer uh, just releasing music and doing your thing. You have to now look at ways to be content a content creator. You know, you have to have a face. You have to have a personal brand that you're pushing all the time, and you have to be able to integrate your music effectively with content. Um, and and since streaming is becoming less and less profitable i mean it never was very profitable for independent yeah. artists but it's becoming even less so now um artists have to sort of examine ways in which we can make this new landscape work for us and and tiktok and um other social media uh platforms and also this new audience thing with this nft and stuff like that we, we just have to be forward thinking you know um so i it's it's annoying somewhat because uh, especially in our generation we're seeing things change so much like as you say when we were younger it was cd sales you know what I'm saying? You you go into the studio, you you do your album, you sell the CDs and you go on tour. That was it. That's what yeah, you did. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, your, your label, your A&R did the rest. But now it's, it's, it's fallen on you. Labels won't even look at you unless you have millions of streams, thousands of followers, all this stuff going for you. Um, so it's like, what, what are labels even really doing? But it's like, 
you know what I'm saying? All in the course of a few years. So it's like, oh man, how do I, how do I even keep up with this? Like even, even from when I personally started my hip hop journey, um, where, it, where Spotify was barely a thing, like mm -hmm. just barely a thing to now where it's like, it's, you know, you have to be on there. And even now it's becoming slightly irrelevant. It's like, wow, um, there's a lot of stuff changing in a short time. And yeah, it's, it's frustrating, but it's exciting as well because it, it does put, a, it is putting an increasing amount of power into the independent musician's hands. We just need to learn how to, how to wield it. Yeah, and understand the game. And, you know, I, I can hear the complexity in your voice, but speaking of personal branding, that's how I mm. thought of you. I was on TikTok. I, went, yeah. I, I love rap, hip hop, and just dissecting. So the TikTok algorithms must have figured that out. And then yeah. I, I saw you, you, you were in your, you know, you were in this like cool background and you had your yeah. dreads on, you were, I was like, wait, what the heck is going on? And then you're talking about a syncopation and you don't, that, 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 that. I was like, all right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I scrolled through, I saw the Nigerian flag and I saw, okay i gotta get in that but you have such a great voice in hip-hop because you're explaining things that i just naturally just took in but without even understanding and you know talking about accents or yeah 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 and all these things that could be obviously i do think i do believe it's going to be an avenue i mean it's you're currently at uh 82.3 thousand followers and hopefully by the time this comes out it's it's a, it's a six figures and then it goes on to seven figures. But yeah. this is what you were talking about. You're saying mm. that at this point, people are looking at who you are as a complete person for, for an artist. Exactly. They want to yeah. see you, how they, how they can find you and all that. What got yeah. you into this? And was it a happy accident? Or Man, it, it was a very, very happy accident. So I've been on TikTok for a while. Like I didn't want to go on TikTok. I was very happy on in my Instagram land, but I'm like, like my mentors and people around me were saying, dude, look, TikTok's the way to go. You have to be on there. And I'm like, really? Another another platform to figure out. You know, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Or I need to do this too. I eventually got on TikTok and I, I spent a bit of time just scrolling the main feed, trying to figure out what the culture is like. You know how every social media has its own like culture and, and way of, of being. So I spent a bit of time trying to figure out how it worked. Um, and I thought I'd try my hand at some videos. I put up some videos of my music it went okay not well like you know a couple hundred views <laughs> kind of thing so i'm like okay maybe there's something i'm not really getting here um and then i sort of started being like okay maybe i don't need to put my music up there maybe i need to start establishing myself as a person so i started putting some videos up of my political views and my social political commentary and that got me a little bit further um we started getting into the thousands at that point and i'm like okay maybe maybe this is going somewhere but then that too stalled and i'm like okay what am i going to do and I got a bit tired of it. So I thought, you know, I'll push it to the side. Maybe, maybe TikTok is not as amazing as people thought it would be. Um, and then sort of we came into lockdown, which uh, ended up being in a blessing, a blessing of disguise. By this time, I had released my album. And I'm like, what am I going to do to stay relevant during lockdown? I can't be out there doing gigs. I can't be out there networking or recording with people. It's just me at home. Um, and at this point, it's like, uh, I need to find a project. So I actually... Um, there was a song from an Australian artist called Kira Pudu um, that I'd been really wanting to remix for some time. And I thought, oh, well, now that I'm locked down, I've got my studio, I might as well just do it. So I did, I did the remix of the song. Um, and then I was like, how, how am I going to promote it? Let, let, me, let me go back on TikTok and maybe if I do something on there, it might, be, it might be quite good. So I decided to make a video explaining how I approached writing the verse to that remix, right? Like how I sort of, 
delivered my rap a little bit behind the beat to create a kind of swag. And I alluded to the fact that this is quite um, a popular technique in hip hop. So that was my first sort of TikTok video called um, uh, the first one that kind of blew up a little bit. And man, did it ever blow up? I think it's at like 1.8 million now, which was astronomically further than what I had even met. I didn't realize that, you know, I didn't realize that so many people would grab onto it and be like, this is, you know, this is something. So as I saw it take off, I was like, okay, why don't I put out another video explaining how I do another technique in one of my other songs? And that's how things started happening. That video also did well. And the next video also did well. And so I'm like, okay, maybe there's something here. Um, and then it kind of started to fine tune and, and um, specify into something where I'm actually focusing on my background as um, someone who has music theory experience. Yeah, you do. Um, and some, someone who is a drummer and who understands rhythmic techniques and uh, applies it to rap. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and sees and identifies the fact that people who do rap and people who do this kind of stuff are actually applying a lot of these rhythmic techniques without knowing. So maybe I can just make videos unpacking what these are and identifying what these are and show how rap itself is quite a complex rhythmic uh, rhythmic enterprise, you know what I'm saying? And, and yeah, people just absolutely loved it. We have people all the way from like, obviously rappers, producers, then you have music professors, you know, people who are like very much into the music education realm who don't really pay much attention to rap suddenly being like, oh, all these things that we teach in our classes are applicable in rap. Let me let me keep listening to this guy and see how maybe I can reach some of my other students. You know, that that kind of that kind of vibe. And then you have other people, you have jazz musicians that haven't really given rap much of a chance that listen to my stuff. And they're like, oh, actually, a lot of these principles that I've learned in jazz or that I practice in jazz apply in rap. Maybe let me go and listen to some rap. So it's uh, like a broader range of people, broad array of people who come and listen to what I have to say in these videos and, and take something from it for them, which has been quite amazing. I, I love that. And for the Kings, Queens and royalty who are listening right now, I hope you've taken in some lessons here because, you know, what Mess was talking about was he started something, he got information, and he, tried, he, he used that to see if he could try another approach. He got some information, it stalled. And then, you know, he was letting his creativity, you know, wander, stumble an idea, let me try this, let me try that. Yeah. And then once you found something that worked. That's it, that's yeah, it. Yeah, and you've been consistent because the interesting thing with you now is, in a, your background, we started off with this podcast talking about how you have a background of you know, heavy metal, everything, you play all these instruments. And, yeah. and today, if, if someone else is looking at that right now, there's a, a version of that story that is, oh, gosh, I'm playing all these instruments, now everything's on the computer, I don't know how to do anything anymore. Yeah, yeah. But the other version is what you're talking about is like, oh, well, this is actually a chance for me to use, a, you know, be, actually be a thought exactly. leader in the space where you exactly. can play all these exactly. things and actually get people to fall in love with the artistry of music you know yeah. the education yeah well what the crazy thing for me is like the whole thing has come back full circle because my intro to music theory was when i was that four-year-old kid being pushed into piano having to learn all these um how to how to read music having to learn all these weird italian terms yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know all these things and all of a sudden now i'm teaching rap using that theory that i learned when i was four yeah. And people, people's minds are being blown by it. Um, and it's crazy that I had to return back to that. See, like, I think the struggle with me is that I've only ever wanted to show small parts of me at a time. I've always wanted 
like if I got into metal, I didn't want people to know about my classical side or know about anything else. I was like, I'm a metal dude. Metal's all I do. Similarly, yeah. when I got into hip hop, I was like, I, I do hip hop. That's who I am. I like, don't worry about my past as a metal musician or rock musician or classical. Don't worry about that. Yeah. It's like, but now I'm finding actually the way forward for me is to embrace everything Absolutely. and be like, no, I'm actually all these things. And this, this is how all these things have tied together to form who I am now and, and to create the story that has led me to where I am now. So it's an exciting time for me to, to do that because it's like, I'm actually falling in love with my journey, a journey that I once kind of not hated, but just didn't really. No, I'm right there with you. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? We we live in a world, especially us as, as, as black folks in, in Afro diaspora, in, in particular where you're always often caught in the middle. People will mm. try to define your blackness for you. You try yeah. to find your blackness and people will, you know, people will just be like, that's professional. That's not good. Go this way, go that way. Exactly, but yep. The beautiful thing can come about when you, you decide to own your own narrative yeah. and part that. And I think that's that's what you're you're currently in the midst of. So it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to make sure I put all this in the show notes. So it's a, it's, it's Mesbo, 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 sorry. Mesbo, Mesbo. Mesbo, sorry. Mesbo, Mesbo Q, Mesbo Q. Um, now, is there a story behind the name? Yeah. So Mesbo is just an anagram of my last name, which is Ozumba. Ozumba. Okay. Yeah, now yeah. you can find, you can find uh, Mesbo Q on, you know, Instagram and TikTok specifically. We'll make sure we put that there. And the show notes, his album is out. He's often, you know, asked for his opinions on, you know, social political things that, that have to do with the indigenous and, 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 and black folks all over the world as well. So, you know, as you can hear, well-rounded individual and also uh, yeah. a king in the building. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to give you the last word before I, before I ask you the final question. Anything you want to say to a younger version of yourself or maybe someone out there struggling with, identity right now trying to yeah man um gosh so i'd say everything that you're experiencing that you're going through and that you're learning um it can all be tied in and there's nothing that is a part of you that needs to be ne neglected or pushed away if you feel a little bit different or feel a little bit eccentric and not really fitting in um, I know it's cliche to say don't worry about fitting in because especially when you're young everyone wants to fit in but um just if you're doing this whole fitting in thing just be aware that the things that you're trying to push aside will one day be a treasure to you so you might as well just make them a treasure now you know what i'm saying um like i didn't like i used to think of my parents music as 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 i mean this is such an offensive turn i think about it jungle music you know what i'm saying all the or sort of like um also they're kind of a high life uh the fella Kuti stuff like I didn't like it you know what I'm saying because I thought my friends thought it was like really I don't I don't know just really weird and African you know what I'm saying and now and I look back at it and I hate that I thought like that I'm like what could my career have been if I just embraced that early you know um and if I just embrace who I am so I think yeah um all aspects of who you are are important to embrace and you'll find that it informs you much better and it gives you more of a clear path and a clear direction a clear way to brand and push yourself out there um if you choose to uh, pursue the career musician thing um so yeah like it is the very cliche thing of embrace yourself love yourself but um actually you need to do it <laughs> actually because it actually there's a reason why it's a cliche because it actually does work yeah, no, I, I love that. That's that's one hundred percent brilliant, and I co-signed that. The last question is my mission statement reframes the question. I, I, you know, uh, it's use your difference to make a difference. And so, yeah. how do you use your difference to make a difference? 
<laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So I think the thing for me is that I, uh, on a practical level, I do a lot of mentoring for a lot of uh, people in school, um, students in school who are wanting to uh, pursue a career in music. And again, like I'm pushing that message. I say, look, I'm I'm a little bit different from everyone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Any circle mm-hmm. that I'm a little bit different. And I know a lot of you guys in school feel that. I know you guys feel that you're not quite fitting in. So I think the way I'm sort of uh, using my difference is like sort of coming coming and approaching the the um the younger generation and saying, yo, you can make this work. Like you can do whatever you want to do. You can be whatever you want to be. Um, as long as you pursue this journey of, of loving yourself. And I think the next generation is so important because there's a way in which our generation, especially when it comes to our um, our African diaspora generation in Aotearoa, the first generation of sort of uh, immigrants, we're kind of not that, not that we're lost or, you know, it, it's a lost hope for us, but we're kind of, um, there's a baton that we have to pass on that the next generation are really going to carry much further than we can ever carry in establishing a new sort of black African New Zealand identity that we uh, are never going to fully have. So I'm like, if I can show you guys the way, um, at least to get started, to be like, it is okay to feel different, but all these different things are available to you. If I can show them that, then hopefully uh, when they grow up, um, they'll be able to yeah, create, create a new culture, create a new way of being that, that sort of mitigates all the flaws that my generation has and, and does better and greater things. There you have it. Thank you so much for coming on. We, we figured it out with time zones here between us. Yeah, we did. We, did. <laughs> we absolutely did. But I, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and being vulnerable and letting us into your, your, your head. No, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me. Pleasure is mine. Until next time, kings, queens, and royalty, use your difference make a difference you've just been listening to the as told by nomads podcast for more ways to reach out to tayo and to use your difference to make a difference head over to www.tayoroxon.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.